And it's interesting how a song can change its meaning, the same song, mm-hmm. uh, over time for you and in your where you're at in your life and what you're going through and how, you know, before I had mental illness, it meant something different. And then when I had mental illness, it meant something totally different. And But there is this kind of love-hate I have with my mother even today, but overall she stands for immense comfort even when I'm doing the bad things, you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? But I, uh, I love the way the track just, it's almost, it's like it's holding back emotion to me. Because um, the, the lyrics are saying so much that there's all this danger around. And yet um, the mood, especially when you listen in headphones, it sounds very um, tight, almost like you're in a, a tight room um, mm-hmm. as, as you listen to the track. side of Hounds of Love, Mother Stands for Comfort. talking about this song and the first fan we're talking with is someone you heard from in the title track episode and he's a fellow musician and his name is Paul Tate indeed we get to nerd about more music stuff on this episode yay yay music stuff I know <laughs> and the second fan I talked with my name is Shauna Brittnell I'm in West Bloomfield Michigan uh, I am a single mom. Uh, I have bipolar disorder. I am a musician. And I live on social media. <laughs> yeah. And I can tell them that's where I found you because we were, that's you found right. I think I followed you. I was honestly just searching for other people tweeting about Kate Bush. I saw you and I went, okay, she's tweeting about Kate Bush. Let's follow her. I like tweet about her all the time. <laughs> yeah. This episode is going to be structured a little bit differently than how I usually do it. If you've been listening for a while, you probably noticed that the structure of the show is generally when you have multiple people that, hey, this is the part where we're all talking about favorite lyrics. Here's the part where we're all talking about production. Well, in chatting with these two fans for the show, Shauna and Paul, we ended up going in slightly different directions. And so I didn't quite feel like it would really mesh together the way I usually have it. So instead, we're going to do something a little bit different. When I started talking with Shauna back in April, I put out a call on Twitter saying, hey, I need folks for these songs from Hounds of Love. And she reached out to me and said she had a lot of personal connections to the song and especially wanted to talk about how the song has changed meaning for her over time. So in this first part of the episode, we're going to get to hear from Shauna and her story with the song. And then we're going to get to talk about the musical structure 
of the song and nerd about that a little bit with Paul in the second half of the episode. So first, let's hear from Shauna. All right. I'm very, very excited about this. Yeah, I'm excited to talk to you too. Like, um, you know, I've put out the call and Mother Stands for Comfort is like the one that people, people want the ones around it, not that one. <laughs> so it's been like. I have done a lot. I have done quite a bit of research on it. And to tell you the truth, I have not viewed the song. Well, first of all, when I was in high school, the song represented something different to me back then mm -hmm. than it does now. I never, I never saw the murderer in it. Although I understand, like if you watch Dateline, how the mother is there for comfort, no matter what you see, you know, you know, even if her son is a serial killer or whatnot, um, I have seen every, everything from Oedipus Complex, people saying, you know, schizophrenia. Just I, I never view, I've never seen that much, I guess, in Kate Bush. It's, for me, it's a more like child look, like um, simplicity, I guess. Like when I was in junior high and high school, I started drinking mm -hmm. and I had boyfriends and I was out late. So back then the song referred to Mother Standing for Comfort is that she didn't judge me, mm. even she knew I was up to bad stuff. And um, now, interestingly, the song has changed its meaning for me now because uh, I have bipolar one disorder and uh, mother standing for comfort means a different thing for me. Uh, she has had to call, go to the court and get me signed in involuntarily against my will into a psychiatric unit um, when I needed the help because when I was in that manic state, I couldn't see and I didn't. Her comfort for me then was that she was doing for me what I wasn't able to do for myself. I see it as, a, uh, and it may be more simple. I see it more as, a, you know, unconditional love. But I can understand the people that no matter what the child does, I think of my son and he's, you know, he's 12 and he's gotten into pornography even. And I love him anyways. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. How do you see the song? So when I first heard it, I thought of the murder. I thought of it being about honestly kind of like a Norman Bates situation. Um, in fact, I was listening to it like as I was downstairs um, getting my tea. Like Psycho. Yeah, it, it, I started getting psycho sort of vibes from it. And I always, I always thought of it like as a, um, that the overall theme is unconditional love of a mother for their, for her son, no matter what he does. But um, especially with like, you know, the voices that cry inside, make me do this, make me do that, make me do this, make me do that, makes me think that this is somebody who, who does really bad things. And... I don't know, maybe it was like the broken glass and now it's kind of creepy and it's kind of spectral at the same time. Makes me think of it. I mean, it, it, it's very, very open to interpretation, I think. Like a crowd, yes, and I like the cage. Uh, to, to me, the cage rep, it's kind of like an imprisonment in literature mm -hmm. and the bird, um, and the bird wanting to be set free from the cage. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of, uh, and the hunter is interesting. 
Um, mm. That line, the hunter or the hunted, is she saying uh, that my child is the hunter and I am hunting the child, for example? Yeah, that's I've always loved that part, the bird with mm -hmm. the cage and uh, and yeah. and where uh won't mind me lying. That mm -hmm. one was especially as when I was growing up, that that line meant a lot to me because it meant that my mother would be there even if I were doing bad things. She would still love and accept me. Mhm. Not be happy about it, but <laughs> Yeah, of course. She would want you to be happy, but at the same time. Yeah. But there's a lot of very intellectual and very um, heavy interpretation into this song in a mm. lot of her songs. And I myself might not be able to go quite that heavy intellectually into her songs, but uh, I consider her part of my heartbeat. <laughs> <laughs> I love her. I've, I've listened, I seem like every album that ever came out was just at the right time in my life. And I write music myself and I often, okay. uh, she inspired inspires me as a musician um and looking at her lyrics because i feel they are poetry and mm -hmm. sometimes i'm i'm shocked by the interpretation because i'm so far off mm -hmm. but it was the same in in college when i took literature yeah. like hating <laughs> the right text <laughs> well the, the mark of a good song to me is one that has multiple interpretations it can mean many different things to many different people like this song yes yeah, though, like in the songwriting circles, I would go in, they were like, no, we don't, this isn't too ambiguous. We don't like it. And I go, but I like the ambiguity. I do too. And it's interesting how a song can change its meaning, the same song mm -hmm. uh, over time for you and in your, where you're at in your life and what you're going through and how, you know, before I had mental illness, it meant something different. And then when I had mental illness, it meant something totally different. And, but there is this kind of love hate I have with my mother even today, but overall she stands for immense comfort even when I'm doing the bad things, you know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? Right. So how did you uh, become a Kate Bush fan. How did you come to her music? I came to her music um, when I was in the car with my cousin in Virginia, and she played the song A Man with a Child in His Eyes. I was 13, mm -hmm. and I fell in love with her. And then I think I've been obsessed <laughs> with her, and every album over time, I'd be blasting her with, you know, in my teens, with my roll windows all rolled down, and <laughs> the intensity. The intensity of her of her art and its its healing power and the videos she has done on YouTube are so spectacular. Like Wild Man is so incredibly beautiful to me. I have posted that on Facebook and Twitter over and over again because I feel like I am Wild Man. <laughs> <laughs> so do you remember the first time you heard Mother Stands for Comfort? I was in either junior high or high school. It was, I was obsessed. I was, I've been reading my journal. I realized over and over again, uh, I had the album, uh, uh, Hounds of Love. So what were your first impressions when you first heard a song, uh, Mother Stands for Comfort? 
Um, well, it has some interesting sounds in it. <laughs> yes, it does. And the music so nerd I, in me is like, I'm a oh weird, my... I'm a very weird, odd girl. So I love it. But, um, I do. Um, but, uh, I guess, so it was kind of odd when I first heard it and maybe I had to listen to it more than a couple times to, to really get, but I think the line, uh, mom hides the madness is beautiful to me. Mom, uh, isn't that what she sings or, um, mother stands for comfort. Mother will hide the murderer. Mother hides the madman. Mother will stay mom. I do like that little play on words. Mother will stay mom. Mother will stay mom. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And won't mind me lying. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I, I think the video on YouTube is also very beautiful. I, I appreciate that with the woman sitting in the chair. So, um, she tapples with a lot of pain and doesn't seem to be afraid to walk through it musically in my mind, like moments of pleasure in uh, the Red Shoes album is incredibly sad. I mean, she has a lot of sad songs, don't you agree? Mm -hmm. But I don't really think of them as like really, really, like really, really depressing. It, it's just more thoughtful, I think, than just generic happy. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's right. Kate had first used a Fairlight on her third album, Never Forever, and by the time she made Hounds of Love, it had become a key element in the creative process. I'd say with this album that most of the songs were written on Fairlight and synth, and not piano, which is, uh, was moving away, really, from the earlier albums where all my material was written on piano. And there is something about the character of a sound. You hear a sound and it has a whole quality of its own that it can be sad or happy or... And that immediately conjures up images, which can, of course, help you to think of ideas that lead you on to a song. So everything is crucial for trying to find some direction with inspiration. And really sounds now, I think, are pieces of gold for people. You know, a good sound is uh, worth a lot artistically. <laughs> uh, quite often I find synthetic sounds create a coldness that if the track is lonely or sad or... Um, dark. Sometimes you want that kind of coldness, that, that machine-like coldness, which is very specific. And with acoustic instruments, you get a real, normally, a very warm human presence and something that's intimate and really there, something that breathes, you know, it's not this kind of dead, cold machine. Uh, and I, I feel that both are very usable, depending on what you want to say. How about Mother Stands for Comfort, for instance? Well, the personality that sings this track is, um, is very unfeeling in a way, and the cold qualities of synths uh, and machines were appropriate here. Um, there are many different kinds of love, and the track's really talking about um, the love of a mother, and in this case, she's the mother of a murderer, in that um, she's basically prepared to protect her son against anything. Because uh, in a way, it's also suggesting that the son is using the mother as much as the mother is protecting him. It's a bit of a strange subject matter, isn't it, really? And now here's the second part of the episode where we're going to get to hear from Paul Tate. 
You might remember Paul Tate from the Hounds of Love title track episode, and he's also going to make some appearances later on in the season when we get into the ninth wave, because as you heard in the Hounds of Love title track episode, he wrote a paper all about the ninth wave. So we're going to get to hear him dig into that when we get to the second half of the season. So Paul Tate is a musician from Atlanta, Georgia, who reached out to me a couple of months ago and has also given me some incidental music that I have begun using in the various episodes of this series. And now we're going to get to hear what Paul has to say about the song. Because he's a musician, he has a lot of things to say about the structure of the song and especially how Kate uses a chord progression that may sound familiar, but as usual with our lovely Kate, she puts her own twist on it. And now here is Paul. And what a fun song, um, uh, but a dark song and a different song for this album. Very much, very dark. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Um, let's start. I think a good place to start would be talking about the chord progression. Um, yes. On the, the song structure is pretty simple this time, um, which as Kate has been playing with her forms kind of as we go along um, and messing with traditional song structure. This one is pretty basic. It's got uh, a verse followed by a chorus back to the verse and then a couple like a double chorus at the end. Um, the chord progression, we're in the key of A minor, friends. And uh, on the refrain, it's, it's the basic, uh, we're in A natural minor. So she's using the one chord, A minor, followed by the sixth chord, which is F major, and then the four chord, D minor, and then the five chord, which we normally would expect to be a, a major chord, is minor here because she's using the, uh, the natural form of the minor. But what makes it sound so cool is she dresses up this chord progression with her melody using lots of um, non-chord tones. So, for example, on Mother, she sings that E, D, so the D becomes like an 11 that hangs out in the A minor chord, which is a really exotic sound. Um, and then she flows to the F chord, and she's got a, a, a G that she adds along with an E. That gives us kind of a major nine sound. So those two chords just flowing from the first one. There's our 11. And then our F major 9. So cool. And then that flows to the D minor, to which she adds a 9 again. And then the 5 chord with the 7. So it's E minor 7. So she just loops those four chords, creating almost a... Um, hypnotic sound, I think. Don't mm -hmm. you? Very much. Cannot ever see it coming. 
that this was like an almost like a Norman Bates kind of character maybe somebody who is a little obsessed with his mom and that he know he or she although we don't really know whether this is a man or a woman um because we know Kate Kate likes to write her songs without necessarily thinking oh yes this has to be a girl this has to be a boy it's very much like I knew you're not sure, one is not sure, whether Mm -hmm. the gender of the narrator is female or male. And it's just somebody who is always doing bad things, but they know that no matter what, their mother is, they're maybe kind of playing off like the mother being very protective of her child and knowing Mm -hmm. that the mother will do absolutely anything to help the child, even if he or she is doing very bad things, and maybe the kid knows it, and so they play with that, and they're like, yeah, well, she won't mind me lying because she's going to love me no matter what. It's yeah. an interesting take on family family love. Because, I mean, all the songs on this site, all, all this, I mean, all the songs on Hounds of Love are talking about love in some way, but it's not your typical romantic puppy love this it's love in many different forms and so she it brings up an interesting question with this kind of song in that what do what do you do if you're a parent of a child and you know that they're gonna they're doing terrible things whether they're like actively killing whether they're a serial killer or just you know that they're a drug addict or something like that 
Mm-hmm. I, I want something you said really pinged for me when I think about the way that Kate sings these words, because there's um, usually there's such a dramatic quality to her voice and there's a flatness to this whole track, um, not in a negative way, but almost in a, a pointed way so that um, I think she may have wanted the vocal to sound almost childlike, almost um, with that innocence, you know, there's very little vibrato and it's very um, matter of fact. Um, so not in a singy song child way, but kind of in a, you know, maybe there could be something a little mentally wrong with this person who's singing. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that, if that makes sense to you. Um, but this, this, the, the way she chose to sing it and the range she choose to, chose to write it in um, makes me think that it's more of a, a a simpleton who could be singing it. Um, and then progressively through the song, the voice, her vocal does get a little kookier as the song mm-hmm. goes on. And I think the other way she, she lets the, the craziness start to eke out is in the background vocals that yes. toward the end, where she does finally go up to the high D more of the typical Kate range um, where you can hear the crazy in the background. Just such a <clears throat> it's a really neat effect because of the the flatness of the track let's talk a little bit about the um the instrumentation yes uh it sounds to me like she started with like a, a lo-fi drum loop mm-hmm. that she probably created on the fairlight um and it's got that glass breaking sound from babushka that we heard um and it sounds like some backwards glass as well and i wonder if this was a cast off from the dreaming, I wonder if it was Ooh. part of that collection. Cause it has, you know, it has some elements that, that really would have fit in well with that album. Um, the star of this track, I think is the, the bass, which um, from reading I've done online is apparently a fretless electric upright bass. And it's, it's got that, it's got sort of a, a vocal quality to it. It almost sounds like another voice, like it's like a duet um, between the, the lead vocal and the, um, the bass. And uh, I wonder when that bass became part of the track, you know, with Kate taking forever to work on her albums at home, I'm sure it was piecemeal. I'm, I'm sure it wasn't done all at, at one time. Right. Uh, so who knows if the bass came first or, or where it came in, but it's a very significant part of the tune and in fact in the um in the sheet music you can see they've uh included some of the baseline notes that's how important it is mm-hmm. um and then we finally get kate at her piano you know i i know i wasn't part of all the songs that you've talked about up to this point from this record but there's not a whole lot of piano mm-hmm. on um, 
the first few tracks. Um, and the piano is, is such a hallmark of Kate's music. It's almost like she intentionally took it away just to, uh, to show, look, I can be different. I can do, I can create wonderful soundscapes without the piano. Um, and in fact, on this track, when the piano first comes in, it, it's almost jarring because we haven't heard her beautiful touch and you know, that simple A minor stuff. It takes us away. And then if you listen as the track progressive, progresses, the, um, the piano starts to disappear a little bit into the theremin-like synth sound that's in there. Um, and it becomes less significant as the song goes on. Mm-hmm. And in fact, the last sound we hear in the track is um, the piano kind of fades out and we hear the weird synth take back over. It's yeah. almost like saying, okay, well, there's your two and a half minutes of my lovely piano. Now yeah. we're going to go back to something <laughs> else. But I, uh, I love the way the track just, it's almost, it's like it's holding back emotion to me. Because um, the, the lyrics are saying so much that there's all this danger around. And yet um, the mood, especially when you listen in headphones, it sounds very um, tight, almost like you're in a, a tight room mm-hmm. um, as, as you listen to the track. And it's also the most skeletal song on this album because there's really not a lot to it. There's the drum pattern that's just kick and snare and almost it's mm-hmm. kind of like a it's almost kind of like a metronome in a way, just with how simple it is. And then the piano chords and then her, you know, ah, woo, ah, woo, ah, like her background vocals, her lead vocals and the bass melody and the, the glass breaking. And that's about it. Yeah. And then that weird um, synth sound that kind of sounds like a theremin. Um, yeah. And that gets um, louder as the track kind of goes on. And according to Kate Bush Encyclopedia, um, the uh, and yeah, KateBushEncyclopedia.com and the article from Other Stands for Comfort says most other sounds are most probably provided by the Fairlight. So it could have it could have been a theremin sound that she just went in and manipulated. She really hasn't talked a lot about this song and kind of the production of it. Well, it's definitely not the type of song you would hear on the radio. So I oh could... goodness no. <laughs> So I could see that she wouldn't consider it as a single. Um, and yet I think some of the melody, it's its so simple and yet it's very, it's kind of elegant. I don't know. It's just got a beautiful floating quality to it. Um, and I think that also adds to the, the spookiness because you've got this gorgeous simplistic melody over all these brooding other things. From On Record by Simon Frith and Andrew Goodwin, published in 1990. The feeling intensifies with Mother Stands for Comfort, in which Bush creates an eerie mood with hushed vocals, unearthly fairlight accompaniment, disembodied background drones, and the sound of breaking glass. One gets the feeling that the relationship with Mother is not warm, but almost supernatural. Mother has powers of omniscience. She knows that I've been doing something wrong, but she is biased in the application of her powers since she won't say anything. Mother Stands for Comfort contains two major Bushian themes, the evil within mankind and the need to turn to mother as an alien's mother. Bush, or her character, knows there is harm in her and doubts her ability to contain it. 
It breaks the cage and fear escapes and takes possession, just like a crowd rioting inside. Make me do this, make me do that. Her doubt extends to her ability to evaluate the morality of her actions, asking, am I the cat that takes the bird? To mother, however, the answer is clear. The child is the hunted, not the hunter. Mother stands for comfort because for her, there is no ambiguity. She must protect her child. Moreover, there is comfort in realizing this is a universal maternal quality. In the song's title, the words mother stands imply that mother is a symbol standing for something else. Also, the word mother is always capitalized in the lyrics printed on the albums in her sleeve, hinting that this is a mythic mother. Throughout side two, Bush has looked back in time and into nature to determine the basis of her confusion, and now she has returned to the womb. She puns mother will stay mum, but the lyrics and arrangement do not make mother sound entirely comforting, for she is inextricably linked with the dark side of human nature. Can we talk a little bit about the cover versions? Did you get a chance to do some listening? Yes, I did actually. So uh, I actually did a lot of cover stuff in the first season and I kind of got away from that a little bit, but I do want to talk about those couple of covers that you sent me because I think they're very interesting takes on this song, especially the the Chinese one. I, I listened to the Chinese one. I found that one. And mm -hmm. the Jane Birkin one. And I'm familiar with Jane Birkin because she was involved with Serge Gainsbourg, who was, who was like the dirty old man of French pop music in the 60s. Oh. <laughs> well, her voice is, is very unusual. I mean, you think Kate's voice is unusual. And, and then I went and listened to Jane Birkin. I was like, okay, well, that's different. Yeah, and also, like, she's got this, well, she's a native French speaker, so she, her English is gonna sound a little bit more accented or it's gonna sound a little different than i don't know if i were to sing it because i am a native english speaker but yeah mm -hmm. it was a different take on the song it, it felt less creepy Mhm. Mm yeah i felt like what did you think of it um well i definitely preferred kate's version um yes. <laughs> <laughs> i think uh i found some of um sometimes when a singer is singing a little out of tune, it can be distracting. And there were a few moments in the track um, where I found that bothersome. Um, I missed, although I could see they went with some of the, um, they tried to mimic some of the instruments that we hear on Kate's recording. I missed the instrumentation that Kate has. <laughs> and in fact, that's a comment I would have for a lot of these covers that I went and listened to other than the Chinese one, which we can talk about in a minute. Mm -hmm. um, Cause that one seemed to really mimic what Kate did very, very closely. Um, there, there are just things that if, if you don't hear it, you really miss it. Like the sound of that fretless bass. She knows that I've been doing something wrong, but she won't say.
Uh, what did you think of the the Chinese language one? Uh, apparently, it started off as just an instrumental, and then they got a vocalist named Lily to come and and sing it. Yeah, I thought that it was really pretty, and I and for me, it's. It, you were talking about the chord progression feeling very hypnotic, and that's mm-hmm. exactly the feeling that I got from that song. It almost felt to me like like kind of a lullaby. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yes. you know, I mean, lullabies. If you really dig into the lyrics of "Oh, all the pretty, all the pretty horses and rockabye <laughs> baby," they're actually very dark, guys. <laughs> Listen to yeah. the lyrics before you sing them to your little kid. I'm just saying. <laughs> well, well, maybe that's what Kate was trying to kind of. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I really Kate. wonder if she was trying to replicate like a kind of a nurse, not a nursery rhyme, but just something that sounds very soothing, but it's actually really dark. And she's played with that kind of thing before, having something it sounds like it could be sweet, but really you need to listen to the lyrics and see what this is really about. Exactly. I think I think you're on to something. Um, and I think, too, there must be some association in Kate's mind about the sound of breaking glass, um, meaning deception. Because mm. I, I think back about Babushka yeah. and how that song is all about deception. And this song, this, um, this song, same thing. So something about breaking glass for Kate equals deception. Mm-hmm. It's like, hey, um, things are not quite as they seem, guys. But back to the, the Chinese cover, I think um, the group apparently is called Alkatumi or something like that. I, I don't speak Chinese. Um, but they get major ups for recreating the sound of the track um, kind of in a modern, they gave it sort of an updated modern twist without it becoming techno or, um, or too out there. Um, but it's still very hypnotic and the sounds they chose uh, were very sensitive and mm-hmm. And the vocals very sensitive. the song and digging more into it I've begun to appreciate it a little bit more because I'm going to be real honest I don't have a lot of personal connection to this song I never really have it's always felt a little bit weird just because it's the only song that wasn't released as a single and it's surrounded by two very big songs that I kind of like a little bit more like we got the big sky before that before uh, before mother stands for comfort and then after that we have cloud busting, we have the end of side one, and those are two 
some two of my favorite songs. In fact, one of them is my absolute favorite Kate Bush song. And so I tend to skip Mother Stands for Comfort so I can get on to Cloud Busting because I just love that song. But digging more into it and certainly talking with you and nerding about some of the chord progressions and everything, I'm like, you know what? I I, mean, I kind of appreciate this a little bit more. This is very artistic. It's kind of like if you're at a fancy French restaurant with multi-courses um, and you skip one. Uh, yeah. I think that's what <laughs> Kate would say. Is she, she put this song in here for a reason. I mean, I think it does really stick out of side one um, because it's so different than the other songs. And yet, um, like you, as I took some time to really listen and appreciate it this week, um, there's lots to like about it. And it's very intriguing. And just the, the fact that we can have a 20 minute discussion about a yes. two and a half minute pop song <laughs> kind of says that there's, there's something there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I do think what I said earlier about this being kind of a little lingering from the dreaming, I think she's always, I think threading her work together because she's taken her time over her career from project to project. If you listen closely, you can hear elements of what she has done in the past and then what she's looking to do in the future. I think, I think all that is there. um, If you dig around and and really listen and look for it. Yeah. Um, And so I, I'm glad I got to talk to you about it because it was good to reacquaint myself with it and and to um, to get into the beauty of those chords. Just, mm-hmm. just did a really lo- really lovely job with that plaintive melody over that simple chord progression. And that Chinese cover, especially I think, brings out the plaintiveness in the melody. And I think that also it works really well in a foreign language. Yes, now I don't speak Chinese, but I don't either. Sounds, it sounds like it was melodic and and working with the, the original tune. You know, yeah, and actually, um, somebody in the YouTube com uh, in the YouTube comments put in the lyrics in Chinese, and so me being a language nerd, I copied and pasted it into tran- into Google Translate, and as How far close as was it? It actually it was like pr- very close. She knows that I'm doing something wrong, but she doesn't say anything. She thinks I was with my friend yesterday. I don't care if I lie because, and then Ooh. instead of mother stands for comfort, it's mother is a safe haven. Mother will hide the devil. It releases the fear on my body like a crowd in my mind, forcing me to do this, forcing me to do that, forcing me to do this, forcing me to do that. I'm catching a bird. Who's the cat? To her, I am a bird, not the cat. Interesting that they substituted devil for murderer. Mm. But then later, though, they do say uh, mother is a safe haven. Mother will hide the devil. Mother, hide the madman. Mother is mom. Mother is peace of mind. Mother will hide the murderer. Mother, hide the madman. Mother is mom. (laughs) I wonder if the pun is lost on them. Probably. (laughs) (laughs) That's insane. Um, Yeah, fascinating. I'm, I'm glad they got so close to it. Cool. Mm-hmm. It looks like they took the the original lines and just obviously put it into Chinese to make it work. I don't know if it rhymes in Chinese because I don't speak Chinese. I speak French and a little bit of Italian and, of course, English. And that's it for foreign language <laughs> for me. <laughs> but it was really cool to listen to it in a foreign language because it works really well. 
I didn't realize when you mentioned rhyme, there's not much rhyme in this lyric. Um, oh, wait. I hadn't uh, even thought of that. Yeah, interesting. Um, not that Kate uses rhyme all the time, but she does a fair amount of it. And in here, other than the vowels being similar in the refrain with um, mother, comfort, mom, there's not much in the way of exact perfect rhyme. Hmm. No, she, now that I think of it, she does, she rhymes sometimes. I can't think of any rhyming songs off the top of my head. But most of her lyrics don't seem to rhyme. I'm also thinking of the song after this, Cloud Busting. Cloud Busting doesn't have any rhyme to it at all. Hmm. I wonder if she was consciously trying not to rhyme on this collection. That's a a question, too. It could be. Although, like, for me, when I write songs, I don't use rhyme all the time. Mostly because I don't want it to sound... I don't want things to sound predictable, because mm-hmm. there are certain words that people tend to rhyme together, like blue and you or moon and June. And I don't want to do the moon and June sort of thing. I want to be a little more interesting. But I think if you don't do rhyme, then you need to make sure that the melody is somewhat memorable because rhyme does help people remember mm-hmm. what the next lyric is. But if you're not going to rhyme, then it should be a, a melody that people are still going to remember somehow. Like, I can sing the melody of Cloud Busting off the top of my head, even though there are no rhymes at all in that song. And in this song, I think the hook is just the way she starts every line with mother, and then it, it has whatever the mother, whatever she wants to say. You know, sense for comfort, mother, mother. And the mother is always one or the other. It's either the that one or this one. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of the hook, I guess, that grabs you in. But you're right. If the lyric doesn't rhyme, it's definitely harder to um, to remember all of it. And that's why the story has got to be compelling. And maybe why that's why this song is successful, um, because the story is very unique. Um, and Kate, has she ever verified publicly that it was based on Psycho for her? Or is that just fans that came no, up with that? Um, she never has. Um, she's never talked about the origin of this song or anything, but... I went to Psycho just because because I thought of Norman Bates killing people. He's obsessed with the mom and stuff like that. That's what I thought of the first time I heard this song. And so she's written so many songs that are based on films or books that it seems like, yeah. I mean, she mm-hmm. had to have been influenced. All right, thank you so much, and uh, I'll talk to you later. Okay, have a good day. Right, you too. Bye. Bye. Bye Take care. Well, this has been great, Cecily. I love talking to you about Kate. Indeed. Um, so you can call on me anytime. I will be your theory nerd. I am here for you. Awesome. Yes. I like having another music theory person. Yes. Cool. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Strange Phenomena, the music of Kate Bush. 
Wow. So we've talked, we have finished talking about the only track from side one to not be released as a single. And now next week, we're going to be talking about a song that was released as a single. In fact, it was the second single from Hounds of Love. And it's also the closer for side one, Cloud Busting. And for Cloud Busting next week, we're going to have two different fans on for the show. And they are, they both have something in common, not just that they love the song, but also I had to make transatlantic phone calls to do so. We're going to get to hear from Tomer Feiner in Israel and a Patreon supporter, Paul Mühlbach in Berlin, Germany. But that's all going to be next week. We'll see everybody next week for a discussion of Cloud Busting. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.